Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today. It's Sunday, March 29th. Wow, March just flew by, didn't it? I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California, and I'm just joined by one other Satellite Sister today, uh, Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. Liz, where is everybody? What's yeah, happening? I, I'm all you got today, Leanne. I, we, we are only the, pe- the only people we could dig up. Uh, yeah, so uh, Julie is in transit back from Brooklyn to her home in Dallas, so you can understand that. Sheila has strep throat was the latest text version of that, you know, and Monica. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but, you know, you always have to. The Santa Ana syndrome has now metastasized the strep throat. (laughs) Let's just say grain of salt, grain of salt. Anytime (laughs) you get a medical report from Sheila. And we can we can say that here. She would be the first to admit that. But also, she never listens to a show she's not on. So we can we can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so it's you and me, but we we have plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about. Okay, Uh, uh, we're going to talk about the big case that's been uh, dominating the news from Silicon Valley, the gender discrimination case of Ellen Powell. Liz, you have a few things to say about that. Yes, I do, Leanne. I certainly do. We have some tips. Tips for women, girls wanting to speak up at the office. Um, I had a horrible car buying experience we're going to talk about. Liz, they're building hotels for millennials now because there are so many of them. And I'm scared, Liz, that... that, what? that are, we, are they just all going to be really dark? Because that's going to be a problem if there's very low lighting everywhere. They're going to be dark, Liz, because we won't know how to turn the lights on in the room because they're all going to be on tablets, however oh, those work. God, are we going to have to use our phones yes, to turn on the lights? To do everything, Liz. Uh, oh. We're going to talk about that. Liz, you had a major fitness fail, but uh, you are going to Poland next week. So yes. let's... It's a good balance. Good balance. Um, but first, I wanted to mention some. Uh, well, I'm having a book nook, Liz. I'm having a personal book nook here. Go for um, it. My romantic comedy, Elizabeth the First Wife, is the Kindle Daily Deal for today. For until you know midnight tonight, Sunday, March 29th, you can get Elizabeth the First Wife on Kindle for a dollar ninety nine. That's a good daily deal, Liz. That's mm-hmm. a good deal. That's mm-hmm. a lot of entertainment, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of romance, a lot of comedy for a dollar ninety nine. So if you're headed off on spring break and you haven't had a chance to read it, now's the time to download it. And then our book is coming out in September, You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship. We have asked you to contribute to You're the Best uh, on our website, SatelliteSisters.com. We wanted to know what is the name of your girl group, uh, the group, the name that you call all your girlfriends. Liz, I have had so much fun this week looking at all of these names and just putting them on a single sheet of paper, everything from the crazy Kappas to the quad G's. I liked the grinds because apparently it was just a miss uh, sent text message. It was yes. supposed to be friends, but it came up as grinds. So they, they you know, the grind. I, this week, every time I got bored at work, I would go to the website. You have to click on the headline for the story, and then you can right. see all the comments. And I would just read the list. But I'd be doing it in a hurry. So when I when I first read the crazy kappas, I I I thought it was the crazy crappas. <laughs> There's probably a group out there called the Which Crazy Crappers. Which sounded like a good Boston group to me. 
Crazy Crabbers. <laughs> and, uh, but no, Crazy Kappas, also a good name. <laughs> so many good names. We're just accumulating them all for, uh, to, to possibly publish in You're the Best. So you have till, again, till midnight tonight. A lot of deadlines here. It's like Cinderella. You have till midnight tonight to buy Elizabeth the First Wife and contribute the name of your girl group of girlfriends to you're the best again you can only contribute on the website on that particular link because we need to make sure that you've read the legal disclaimer so that's the way it works but um all right liz and then wait on the tuesday show you're going to have another task right? yes i have another, another task. assignment for right people. right i have another assignment for people thank you for reminding me liz yes it's going to be um well i'll just give people a preview i want to know three words you would use to describe your friends like your best friend, think of your best friend or a specific friend, three adjectives. So, but that's on Tuesday. So <laughs> Sorry, just... I'm just thinking crazy crapper. <laughs> <laughs> that's two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the name of the girl group. Pretty nice, mean girls. I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, that's more than three words. Pretty nice, mean. Um, all right. So yesterday my husband and I went out to actually test drive some cars and I say actually test drive some cars because we have been looking at cars for months. We have been examining our automobile situation at home and thinking about where do we go next. We have four cars parked in the driveway, Liz. Uh, How could that be, Leanne? Well, That's four people right. in the house, four cars. And, you okay, know, just, true. It is what, right. We're, we're drivers. We live in California. We drive everywhere, okay? Or if you're me, you drive nowhere, but you still need a car to occasionally leave the house. And, um, but what we have are a lot of, you know, I have a, I have a 1998 Dodge Caravan, Liz. <laughs> so it's a classic, classic it car. Liz, it runs great. I don't know what to say. We have used it kind of as our fourth car for 15, 16 years now. Has 85,000 miles on it. It has some leather seats, Liz. Has leather seats and Hold on to your hat. A six CD player. So it's a, still a super nice car. But it may be time to upgrade, you know, the car that we use on long road trips. For instance, we're no longer driving around entire soccer teams full of kids. So we're thinking about trading that in. Maybe, you know, definitely looking at sort of a sport utility vehicle that we can take camping. Well, I'm not going camping, but my husband can <laughs> Let him take everybody camping. <laughs> Good strategy, Leon. Way to get everybody out of the house. Give them a car to get in and go. Okay. Skiing, I'll go. Drive to Oregon that we do often. I'll do that. I'll do that. So we're looking at a Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee for that. Again, we have now looked at them almost every weekend for six months, like figuring out there are so many makes and models of Jeep Grand Cherokees that it has taken us uh, you know, several months to determine what model we want. And now my husband just is he refuses to order it is he's just going to wait till it miraculously shows up on a lot somewhere okay fine and then we're going to get rid of my 10 year old station wagon which has over 100,000 miles thinking of buying a car that maybe Colin and I will kind of share a fun car so when I don't want to drive the big jeep I can drive a smaller car which I would much prefer so and Colin is your 16 year old son. Yes. Yeah. 17. Yes. So oh, 17. Okay. Yeah. So that list has been whittling down. And the key word there is fun, you know, and my family, they're drivers and uh, they like fun. And, but we'll also buy used. Like we're not, it doesn't have to be brand new. It doesn't have to be fancy pants. Every car we have in our driveway, well, three out of the four cars we bought used. So, um, my son, and the plan was that my son Brooks was eventually going to leave the house and give his car to Colin, but he never left the house. So. <laughs> So that's why he won't leave. So 
and he needs the car to drive to school. It's just now that he's going to art school and driving all over the place to take photos, he needs a car. So he's got one. <laughs> Kello Mazda 3. That's fine. So we're out looking. We've narrowed our list, Liz, to uh, to the Volkswagen GTI, the Mini Cooper, uh, the Fiat. I'm interested Ooh, in, the, Cooper. in the Fiat. Oh, okay. Yeah, my husband has wanted a Mini Cooper since he was 14 years old. Okay. <laughs> And so, the, wait a minute. This car is not for your husband, right? No, this but is, still, okay. he if he it just for God's sake, just buy one. I can't go look at the Mini Cooper anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't go look at it anymore, Liz. So, <laughs> and then he was also interested in that really ugly Subaru Crosstrack because his feeling was that it was so ugly it was cool. You know, one of those cars. So, uh-huh. so yesterday he's like, we're gonna go drive them. So we went, and of course he wants a manual car. Um, wow. You know, I've, I don't really want a manual car, but in, in my twisted science, I'm pretty convinced if I drive a manual car, it will stave off dementia. Now, I don't think there are any studies on that, Liz. I haven't seen any no. peer-reviewed journals no. take that on no. as a subject, but I, get, I, I totally understand your yeah. thought process. Yeah. I mean, it's inconvenient in LA traffic to have a manual car for sure, yeah. but on the other hand, so is dementia. That's inconvenient. And so I think if I can just keep my mind supple enough to drive a stick shift, I should be okay if I never do crosswords. So, uh, so, and, uh, so we go, and we've also found with my older son, he doesn't text because he has a stick shift car. Because oh. they're too busy driving. They cannot text and drive and and drive a stick shift. I like so, it. So it actually, I it think. It takes two hands. Yeah. Exactly. So essentially this car will be for my son until he goes to college, then I'll drive it. So here we go. So we go, we drive the Subaru. Uh, it's terrible. So we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. So besides being ugly, it's just terrible. Well, it just, it's not fun. You know, one of our prerequisites is fun. So it's got no get up and go. As as my husband said, well, it'll be fine if you just wanted to drive it around, which (laughs) for most people, that's what they want to do. That's what they want a car to do. Yeah. And then we go drive the GTI. Brittany, uh, she pulls it right off the showroom floor. We're not in the showroom five minutes. We said we want to drive the manual GTI. And I had a GTI many years ago. It was one of my first cars. So we're driving another little red GTI. I love it. It's Volkswagen. It's great. Uh, it's delightful. Delightful car. Fantastic. Feeling the Farfic Nugan? Yeah, I totally Farfic Nugan, Liz. And just taking me back. I am 23 again. Yeah. I am living in Jackson Hole. Like, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm fine. Let's, let's just buy this and move along. But no, we decided to go look at the Fiat. Now, little Fiat, as you know, is a girl's car. I don't care yes. what they say. So, but they have the upgraded version, the Abarth version, right? So my husband willing to drive the Abarth. What so does that mean? That's A-Barth. like the souped up version. Uh, it has a lot of scorpions on it. Everything about it is sportier and just, uh, you know, more, more responsive and faster, bigger horsepower. That's what you so, want in a tiny little car. It is. Crumple at the least bit of contact. That's what they you want. want. You want it to go faster yeah. because it's so fragile. Good idea. <laughs> Again, fun. They like the fun. So we go to one Fiat dealer and, you know, you, you we weren't even on the lot yet where the, the, the woman saleswoman starts flagging us down like, here's my card. What can I get you to drive? And we explain we want a manual Abarth. And uh, then she inexplicably tries to talk us into driving like two or three of the Fiats that we have no interest in buying, like convertibles. We're never going to buy a convertible. And, when, and we just were like, no, we, do you have a manual on the lot? Um, 
you know, that takes about 10 minutes to sort out that there is one. And then she has another customer show up. She goes, oh, there's my appointment. I'm like, well, can anyone else? No, there's no one else in the dealership that we can't test drive the car. Oh, okay. okay. That seems a shame, you know. Yeah. Uh, dozens and dozens of cars. Are you trying to like spend a lot of trying money to buy and a people car. won't take it. So, I just never understand that part of the process. Well, it gets worse, Liz, because then we go to the next Fiat dealer, and uh, the guy tell. First of all, <laughs> this reminded me of Sheila inexplicably. We go in, we talk, we go right over to talk to the salesperson. We know what we want now, and he is standing like at a console shoving snack food into his mouth. So he turns around, <laughs> like. very professional demeanor nice i mean trying to pretend he doesn't have he said well we're we're kind of multitasking here if you could be patient and that means like there were only two salespeople. they were busy the manager was doing that fake thing in the office what the manager does and so we said well this is we'd like to drive stick ship oh stick ship well they're not going to make them in 2015 I was like, well, do you have any 2014s? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't, how hard is it? I just. <laughs> so he pleads for patience. Then he comes out. And he says, well, we have a red one. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll drive a red. He goes, oh, do you want it to buy a red? And my husband said, well, we're going to drive the car. He goes, oh, well, you're not going to buy today? And he walked inside. So now we've gone to two Fiat dealerships. Can't drive the car. Off the list. You just uh, have to take And then we list. just were like, okay, yeah. all yeah. right. That's too bad. Yeah. You know, because it was looking kind of cute in the charcoal gray. But all right, we're out, we're out of here. So then we go to the mini dealership. There are literally hundreds of minis on the lot, Liz. There uh-huh. are dozens of salespeople. And my husband says to the first one, we want, he's driven them, of course, but it's been because he goes in every couple of years and tortures himself by not buying one. So he goes, we want to drive. He just wants to refresh his memory compared to the GTI now that he's just driven it. Uh-huh. Uh, 40 minutes. We wait for a car. Really? They have allegedly gone to find it in another place. We're staring at two stick shifts right in front of us. My husband said, we'll drive an old one. We don't, we'll drive a pre-owned 12, 13. I just want to drive the car one more time. 40 minutes. At like 20 minutes, I said, could someone tell us how long this process is going to take? Well, we had to go to the parking lot and construction. I'm like, how long is it going to take? Would you like a soda? How long is it? (laughs) I don't know. Why did they think that was okay? And then at 40 minutes, Barrick looked at me and goes, we're out of here. I said, no, I got to tell him while we're out of here. I got to get this off my chest. (laughs) And I'm like, we're leaving. Good for you. All you had to do was tell us. It's going to be an hour. We would have tried to go test drive that Fiat again, but never mind. And then that was it. We tried to three car dealerships, two hours, no cars to drive. Wow. I don't even understand. What is that? I don't understand that. I have never understood why car dealers make the buying process so awful. You are, it's one of the most expensive things you'll ever buy. Yeah. Right? Other than your home, it's the most expensive thing you'll ever buy. And so they should give you some pleasure. It should be fun. They're asking you for 10 grand or 20 grand or 30 grand. Like you should part with that, like happily with a smiling face. They should, they should recognize that they are taking a lot of your money and yet they never seem to do that. It, they always make it into some kind of a struggle. I do not understand. I, I, I just, if people could live without cars, they totally would. Because <laughs> they, they would. Because the process is so awful. We, I mean, Barrick had the look on his face like he was finally going to buy that coupe, Mini Cooper. Like, I think if they had 
let him test drive one of the many cars around us like <laughs> that that they would that he would have bought it but forget it it was just it was just inconceivable that there were dozens of car salesmen sitting around and dozens of cars around us. There were two six speeds right in front of us on the floor that we wanted to test drive, but they went to this mythical, you know, place to find this mythical car for us. It was just, it was absolutely nuts. I could, I thought that my head was going to blow off. I was just, I, I couldn't even, I had to come home and like, just decompress on the couch and watch some college basketball. Cause I was like, I can't even speak. That was just, yeah, yeah. I, I, why was that? so hard why can't they just give you a straight answer how could there not be anyone there yeah and i'm shocked because you did have your husband with you right you know normally women alone get treated even worse at these kinds of places right but the fact that you had a very powerful car (laughs) kind of guy right Actually making the requests and still there was a fail on their end. That is very surprising. I mean, we did drive the minivan onto the lot, which usually <laughs> confuses people. They don't know how serious my husband is about cars or driving, but you know, he does that on purpose. So, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was just a nutty, nutty experience. I, it's hard to believe. And Liz at the Cooper dealership, people were actually coming in, buying cars and leaving in a, <laughs> in a shorter <laughs> amount of time. And Beric said, don't people test drive cars anymore? I I said, I don't know. Like, maybe they just like the way, I mean, a lot of them were buying, like, the Mini Cooper for their 18-year-old daughter. So maybe they just like the way it looks. Maybe they don't care about the driving experience. It was just the nuttiest thing. So if, I know we have people in the car industry that can help us out. Any Mm -hmm. way you could get a Fiat to my house, I'd be happy to test drive it. (laughs) No, I think that's off our list now. I think it's off our list. I think we're going to go with the GTI. I mm-hmm. certainly liked it. So there you go. There's... I just didn't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that understand be? that. You should just, just for the heck of it, try like a Ford dealer. Just, just see. Now, now aren't you fascinated to know if it is just an industry-wide thing? That I, I, no, nobody lets you drive the cars yeah, anymore? I don't, yeah, you're right. I mean, because we had the Ford Focus on our on our list. and then Yeah, because uh, that is a nice car. Yeah, that's a cute little car. So, um, but there you go. I, I can't explain it, Liz. I can't explain it. It's nutty. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thank that you. has been dragging on. I've heard like six installments <laughs> of this story <laughs> over the last six months. I just thought we're getting it done. We're actually driving the car so I don't have to go out again. I think that's why I was so mad. Like we are checking cars off the list that I don't ever have to go look at again, like the Subaru. But no, not not checking them. <laughs> okay. Well, um, speaking of speaking up. Yes. Yeah. Let's have a little conversation about... Uh, The big news this week from Silicon Valley, you know, there has been a trial going on for many weeks uh, where a woman named Ellen Pau sued her employer, Kleiner Perkins, the big fancy venture capital firm for gender discrimination. And it has been a fascinating trial and a fascinating cultural discussion, if you've been watching along, um, about how people are judged in this particular environment. They say that they they got rid of her because she couldn't speak up for herself. She's no good at her job. Um, and meanwhile, she's suing, saying that she was consistently left out of various discussions, that there was sort of this ongoing boys club, you know, it was a shocker, uh, boys <laughs> club attitude around the company. Like some of the stuff that came out in the actual trial, you know, it's one of those trials where everyone comes out looking bad. Right. So um, 
the uh, I mean, she was using examples, though, that there was one time where uh, one of the, the Kleiner partners arranged a ski trip for their entrepreneurs. So what Kleiner Perkins does is as venture capitalists, they invest in startup companies and then they nurture those startup companies and hopefully they become big hits and then they go public and Kleiner makes billions of dollars. So a lot of the job, if you are a partner there, like Ellen Powell was a junior partner, is to find these young entrepreneurs, nurture them, and sort of be the catalyst for that process. So anyway, so Kleiner had arranged a ski trip for a bunch of their entrepreneurs, and uh, they Ellen Powell noticed that all the women were excluded. And so when the partner who had arranged the trip was asked, like if there was one of the female entrepreneurs from one of the companies that Kleiner invested in could come along, um, he responded in an email that, no, nah, that probably wouldn't work because they were sharing accommodations so the women wouldn't really feel comfortable, which, again, sharing accommodations in this scheme, they're probably like in a six bedroom villa. And, you know, so I don't think they're bunking up in the same room together. (laughs) And uh, so he wrote back, he said, why don't we punt on her and find two guys who are awesome? And so that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. it's just that's it's easier to get just get two guys uh, who are awesome. Who are awesome. Uh, And then another time, she was on a plane ride with the partners. And again, what makes these people very unlikable is that the plane ride is always their own private jet, right? right. So um, anyway, so they're on a plane ride and she's there and her male colleagues are discussing porno stars and also assessing the attractiveness of Marissa Meyer, the chief executive of <laughs> Yahoo. So, you know, and I'm reading this from the New York Times story about this that's uh, in today's paper, actually. So all of this came out in the trial. But the clear the jury found that none of this is illegal, which I, I think, ladies, I think we know that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it goes on all the time. Not really illegal. Uh, and anyway, they, um, they ended up ruling against Ellen Powell that, yes, there were lots of bad things that happened, but they could not build a clear case uh, for gender bias in her, um, uh, in her firing. But a lot of the conversation that has happened around this for the last couple of weeks has been really interesting to me. And there was a particular story from the times that I posted on the Facebook group yesterday by Claire Miller. And it's about um, the sort of the culture of self-confidence in Silicon Valley and how that works for and against various kinds of personality types, or in this case, genders. So I I posted this, you should read it, but it's really interesting because um, Claire Miller in the story, she has a lot of like studies about, for instance, that when a group of men and women were given a science exam and scored the exact same score, the women underestimated their performance and refused to enter a science fair while all the men overestimated their performance (laughs) and happily entered the science fair. So we've discussed this before on Satellite Sisters, right? It's, you know, nobody in this scenario is a bad person. It's just a question of like when we were growing up, we always joked that like, Every boy we were growing up with felt like he could have been the shortstop for the New York Yankees. Right. Like, really, it was, it was, yeah, sure, I could do that. I just chose to do other things. But, I, yeah, I could have done that. And, you know, and, and I've urged women uh, on Satellite Sisters to, you know, as Cheryl would say, St. Cheryl Sandberg, uh, would say to lean in a little bit. Like, 
Didn't we just have a speak up conversation about a month or two ago? Right, we did. Yeah, it was this. It was the same idea. Just make sure you raise your hand. Start talking. Get in the conversation. Well, what they did for Ellen Powell, this is what blew my mind. Um, they provided her coaching. This is when she was still at Kleiner Perkins to teach her how to interrupt more. It's actually called interruption coaching, Leanne. Like, well, like, remember, Liz, do you remember when we first started Satellite Sisters on ABC? We had interruption coaching. Mm-hmm. That's what this article reminded me of. Our really? Produ- our, remember, our producer, Corny Cole, said, you are too nice on the air. You have to control the conversation. And oh, if your right. guests are going off, you have to interrupt. And it's a terrible thing to do. You feel <laughs> terrible doing it. You feel impolite. You're pretty sure it sounds bad. But ultimately, Corny was right because we had to control the conversation. It was our mm-hmm. show and you don't want the guests doing a five-minute monologue. At mm-hmm. least she didn't. <laughs> and That's then true. I didn't. And then I didn't want the guest doing a five-minute monologue. But we, we had interruption coaching too. It just yeah, wasn't I, called that. And I think we got good at it. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we don't interrupt each other usually. Sometimes no. by accident we step on each other. But I think we have a – I think our culture is letting people finish their thought. Yes. It, yes. It, it's not it's, like watching The View where all they do is just talk over each other and interrupt each other. Right. We don't do that. Yeah. So the, I mean, culturally, in a business culture, I think the issues that get raised by this is, is it always the loudest and most aggressive person in the room who is the smartest? Because if you're rewarding just the constant interruption, the being the loudest, being the most aggressive, then that person holds the floor more than anyone else. And sometimes it strikes me that these businesses are based on the assumption that that is correct, Mm -hmm. that that the loudest person must be the smartest. And um, I've seen many. <laughs> I don't know. You don't find that always to be true, Liz? I do not find that always to be true. Just in my business experience, having been in a lot of executive meetings and boardrooms and things, um, loudest and most aggressive does not equal smartest. I'm I'm drawing the little does not equal sign with my hand here. Nope. And uh, and women, as we know, women often get penalized for speaking even the same amount of men, same amount as men do. Sheryl Sandberg calls this quote the double bind of speaking while female. That if we speak an equal amount, we are perceived as talking way too much. Which is shocking. That's that's the sort of the social scientist stat that I find the most incredible. Is that yeah. Literally, they can time it. Men will actually speak more, but women will be accused of hogging the right. conversation. Right. And in the story in the paper, they used an interesting example because people have observed this and some companies try to do things about it. And uh, they used one example, which might be close to uh, your heart, Leanne, because this was the writer's room for the TV show The Shield. Mm -hmm. They had noticed this happening, that the female writers were not getting to say what they wanted to say. So in the writer's room at The Shield, they banned interruptions of any kind during pitches by the writers that you were allowed to finish what you wanted to say. And it reminded me of you because you told me a story of a friend of yours. We will not name the show, but they finally came to the point where they asked her not to come to the office at all. Correct. (laughs) Right. And she was an Emmy award winning writer and uh, she won a, a Peabody, I believe for her episode on that show and they just couldn't stand to hear her talk in the writing room. Yes. So, yeah, 
That's just that's this that is, is a true major story. network yeah. television right. show that we all they, love. Yeah, we all love this show. Multi-season hit. Many women watch this show. Right, but no apparently women, no women are allowed to actually speak in the writers' room. Right, they just write at home and and don't come in. Don't come in. <laughs> Send and your pages in. Oh my God, I would love that if that was my situation <laughs> at work. If they said, please don't ever come in, just send us your notes. Uh, So so part of it, it raises the question of how much of this is personality of a company. Like maybe your company's personality just is sort of loud, aggressive, and interrupty. But to the extent that that's true, then does that create a natural bias against other personality types, specifically personality types of the female persuasion? Mm -hmm. Right. So. I posted this on the Facebook group, and um, we did get a couple of a, a bunch of really interesting comments. So Lee wrote something interesting. She said she was talking to her husband about this, and uh, her husband said, "Well, men interrupt everyone, not just women." So that was his point, and, and that's true. I mean, I, I believe that's true. Yeah, I don't think they they do. Into, I mean, I see how my husband interacts and how he talks about his coworkers and stuff. Yeah, it's just they're in kind of a big, loud, interrupty corporate right. structure. Right. I would point this out, though, again, in my experience. People do not interrupt people who are more powerful than them. So, yeah, a bunch of guys who are all peers, all interrupting each other all the time. But do do men or women interrupt when their bosses in the room are speaking? No, no. So I think the fact that women almost always get interrupted is either the sign that they are the less powerful people in the room or just an assumption that they are the less powerful people in the room, you know, because Mm -hmm. it would just be natural to interrupt Mm -hmm. the woman because she couldn't be what she has to say couldn't naturally just couldn't possibly be more important than what I have to say. So it's more just an assumption about the power structure. So. Yeah, it can be very interrupty, but mm, even the interruptiest uh, boardroom <laughs> I've ever been in, nobody talks over the boss, usually. Okay, usually. good point. Well yes. taken. Well yeah. taken, Liz. So, um, but I'm not disagreeing with your husband, uh, Lee. You know, everyone has their own experience. I'm just saying, this is mine. And in my case, of course, I am female, and I'm assuming your husband is not. So (laughs) then there was another thing that came up in the course of this whole uh, discussion. Several people uh, posted an article that explained the whole concept of mansplaining. And if you don't know what mansplaining is, uh, I can explain to you what it feels like to be mansplained. It, It means you are talking, and then a man starts talking to you. And starts explaining to you things that are such fundamental knowledge, things that are so basic that the fact that he thinks he has to explain that to you kind of blows your mind. <laughs> like, what? And I had the, you know, I've had a great career. I've, you know, none of the people that do this are bad people. It's just about unconscious gender bias. But I had this happen to me just two weeks ago, Leanne. Oh, really? Yes. In a professional situation where someone was explaining to me how how branding works and the importance of brands and having brands be consistently um, uh, presented. And like short course, 
I'm the chief marketing officer of a major international <laughs> television network. I am fully globally responsible for the National Geographic Channel brand, the Fox Sports brand, the Fox brand. Before that, I was responsible for the Oprah Winfrey Network brand. And before that, I ran marketing at Nike. So Nike's a fairly good brand. I feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good example of branding at its <laughs> finest. <laughs> so when people start mansplaining okay. stuff like that to me you just you just don't know what to say you're like you don't you're just i it doesn't happen all that often but when it does i have to say i'm just incredulous and but you have to be polite right you know, you, i guess we don't have to be i guess that's the lesson uh, well i wonder okay. if that's the lesson is that the lesson do we just do we just put them down do we just interrupt them like of course i know what that is <laughs> i invented branding you idiot i mean <laughs> i'm a case study at harvard business school are you kidding me <laughs> oh so so okay so to follow along that conversational thread. Another thing that got posted as part of this conversation on the Facebook group was an article called 10 Words Every Girl Should Learn. Did you read this? I did read this. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. Very simple advice for, for women who are being mansplained or any other situation. So it's 10 words, breaks down into three phrases, which we will share. And then I had a few of my own and I think, Lee, and you prepared. Uh, I have a couple, too. Thing. I think, yeah, more other, than 10 words. Yeah. Yeah. Other things you could say if you find yourself in these situations. Uh, these are pretty straightforward. The first one is just stop interrupting me. <laughs> you can say that, ladies. Mm -hmm. You can say it. Did you see the story in the news last week? I also posted this on the Facebook group about, uh, like, the Google chairman, Eric Schmidt, at a big South by Southwest panel. He was consistently interrupting Megan Smith, who is, by the way, the chief technology officer for the United States of America. <laughs> so CTO for America. And uh, Eric Schmidt was interrupting her so much that somebody in the audience like got up and asked a question about it. Like, are you aware of how many times you have interrupted? Wow. No, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. And I think part interrupting of disruption. I love it. It's South by Southwest, man. The, uh, and I think part of it was that Megan Smith used to be a Google executive. Oh. So I think Eric Schmidt was just still in his I'm the boss, you're not mode. And as the boss, of course, he would get to constantly interrupt one of his employees. <laughs> but Megan Smith is now chief technology <laughs> officer for the United States of America. So anyway, so um, so of the 10 words, the first three are stop interrupting me. The next four are, I just said that. <laughs> which, is, which our mother frequently uttered <laughs> to our father, to yes. no avail for 65 years. I just said that. I just said that, Jim. I just uh, said that. <laughs> it's true. So, so I just that said that. was pretty that. much your motto. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. And then the last three words of the 10 were no explanation needed. I guess that's what you're supposed to say when you're getting mansplained. Mm, and... yes, try that one next time. Yeah. No explanation needed. I'd add a buddy onto that. No explanation needed, buddy. I just... 
Okay, speaking of Buddy, that was there was a, a funny comment that Felicia on our Facebook group wrote that my experience in the world of the law is that if I try to make try male techniques to claim power, they ring false and I lose credibility. I have to find an alternative way to claim space. And I do not mean by being sweet and accommodating and saying, golly, you're so smart, Mr. Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe we should say no explanation needed, Mr. Man. <laughs> Um, All right. What are your phrases, Liz? What do you think? Uh, some phrases every girl should learn. Okay. Here's one that I was actually tempted to utter in a meeting not too long ago. It is, I am not your granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> just because sometimes you're, you're being so talked down to that you, you just, you just want, I'm not your granddaughter. I'm like, up, uh, just Okay, you can. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can multiple syllables. Fine, I, I can handle it. I'm a seasoned senior executive. You can you can use complete sentences. Uh, it's okay. So um, then I thought, if you really wanted to be disruptive, you could like set set the alarm off on your phone, and then when people uh, when some guy says, "What's that?" you can just say, "Oh, that's my blowhard alert." <laughs> So you can, if you really That's want true. to, you could use your phone, you know, yeah. like the, they have the Vuvuzela app. You can get <laughs> like the world cup. That'd be good. Yeah. So I think blow hard, hard alert. I think that would be good because then it's just like, yeah, my phone goes off every time all of the oxygen has been sucked out of the room by one person because it gets dangerous. <laughs> CO2s, CO2 levels, very dangerous. See, it's a very scientific thing. Not me. Science says you should stop talking. That's uh, how about you? Do you have any suggestions? All right, I had one. Uh, thanks for co-opting my idea and positioning it as your own. Nice, <laughs> subtle, okay. and delivered with a smile, no doubt. Right? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. Uh, how about this one? I can't understand you when you bloviate. <laughs> like you're having trouble just distinguishing their language because they're foaming at the mouth. <laughs> And then just for total disarmament, oh, your fly is down. <laughs> just, I think that would work. Sometimes you have to just go that low. That's the only way you're going to get them to stop talking. You, can, you could just say, please stop talking. Uh, but the, my, my tactic um, when I need that to happen is I just say, okay, moving on. But you can only say that when you are the boss in the room. <laughs> right. Just right. like, if you're the junior person in the room, you can't tell everyone time to move on to the next. Anyway, so, um, so well, yeah. I think learning to speak up starts early, though. You know, girls mm -hmm. have to speak up in class. They have to speak up at the dinner table. They have to speak up at social events. I, uh, I often get asked about advice for young writers, and but it's the same really true of anybody who has to go into a room and pitch their idea. Just you need to start talking like and st keep talking. Mm -hmm. You can't like spend 10 years of your academic life not talking, not talking in high school, not talking in college, not talking in grad school, and then expect to walk into you know, a room where you are the junior person, person and start talking. Just keep yeah. talking. Don't stop talking. <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And that's why, again, St. Cheryl Sandberg is, you know, constantly saying, do not call girls who claim their space bossy. Right. You know, you need to praise them for having leadership abilities. And, uh, you know, whether you're eight 
or 58. You know, that means being able to voice your opinions in a thoughtful way in any kind of a group, no matter how little CO2 is left in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, buddy, your fly's down. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Okay, we are moving on now, right? Uh, But hey, if you want to post any of your suggestions, other phrases that would be useful in this scenario, please, you can post that on the Facebook group or the, the blog post that will cover this show. Just if you click on the headline for the post, you can put any of your comments there. So other constructive suggestions you have for how to manage this kind of dialogue uh, would would really be helpful. All right, Liz, I want to tell you about the new hotels that you may be checking into on your next business trip. I want to warn you because the millennials are rising in power. You know, there are 75 million millennials and those really? are, you know, yeah, those are residents born from 1980, U.S. residents born from 1981 to 1997. And they have uh, $226 billion uh, to spend on travel, <laughs> or I guess that's all money spent on travel. And the millennials are increasingly making up more of that percentage. So now hotel chains are catering to millennials, particularly millennial business travelers, but just mm-hmm. millennials in general. And I'm surprised they have any money to travel because I thought they all lived with their parents. But that's <laughs> <laughs> you know I was thinking true. that, Leanne, but I was not going to say that because <laughs> I, I, I know true. we have many listeners who are millennials, yes. and we don't we don't mean to insult you. No. We just don't understand you <laughs> but uh, no so they're out there they're working they're in business travel and here's what they want in hotels and this is why it's going to scare you they don't care about the room liz because they are as one millennial said in the article in the los angeles times they're communal people they're communal they don't like to do anything alone they barely spend any time in their hotel room they just sleep there. They want to spend time in the lobby, communing with people. That's what they oh. want to do. So it's going to be a tiny, tiny room, and that's okay with them. They don't care. Here's mm-hmm. what else they want, Liz. They want technology, technology, technology. They don't want to stand in that check-in line, Liz. They want to check in with their phone. I don't mm-hmm. even understand how that's possible. How do they <laughs> hand you the key if you check in with your phone? How do you get into the room? I don't, I don't know how that's possible. They want to be able to go into the room, use the tablet that's provided to turn on the lights and the audio system and the television and unlock the mini bar. So we are going to be sitting alone, Liz, our generation in dark rooms, unable to turn on the television or break anything out of the mini bar because <laughs> we're not going to have a sad, sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah, that's, they don't want restaurants anymore. They just want like quick, healthy food to go. Well, that doesn't sound what? fun. No, no, we don't want that. I mean, sometimes you want that, but most of the time, like it's been a long day. You just want to hang out in the, like get a decent meal at your hotel if you have to. Yeah. Okay. No, there is actually uh, the Aloft Hotel in Cupertino, California, Liz. They're working on a three foot tall robot that can deliver snacks and other small items to your room. <laughs> okay. Well, that would be fun. Come on. <laughs> I would go, of course, you know who's based in Cupertino. Yeah. That, that is the home of Apple. So they got to up their game in Cupertino. Right. But I would go to Cupertino just so I could have that happen. That's just. <laughs> 
So I just want you to be on the lookout because everybody like Marriott is launching a new mid price boutique hotel called the Moxie line. And it's going to be particularly, uh, you know, catering to these millennials. They have a whole bunch. They're also AC. You're going to be able to find that in New Orleans and Kansas city and one in Washington, DC. And uh, of course, Virgin is getting in on it. They have a new hotel line called Virgin hotels. And then one place, well, you know, the, um, you know, the Montage in Laguna Beach, they're mm-hmm. opening a millennial hotel called the Pendry. And the company describes the new brand as London hip, New York paste, and California healthy. So are you ready for that, Liz? Are you ready to travel like that? Well, why would I, if I'm at the beach in California, yeah. why would I want a New York paste hotel? I don't know. I don't understand that. Because you're I'm a millennial, to, Liz. I'm you want to check York. in on your phone. I don't, you want the robot to bring you a, an iWatch. And so you can check your heart rate. I don't know, Liz. <laughs> Even Red Roof is getting in on the action. So, okay, it's not quite a robot. But you know what, Liz? They're going with the communal idea. Fire pits, Liz. Watch for it. Fire pits. <laughs> Fire pits and fire pits springing up all over and picnic areas (laughs) because I know when you travel, you love to picnic. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do with strangers picnicking with strangers. That's that's the best thing ever, Lee, and you should try it. (laughs) I just I want to urge the millennials, if you get a chance to just go to your room use a remote control, and order room service, try it. I mean, you really, really might like it. You don't have to spend every minute with other people. I'm just I'm encouraging you. You can still tweet from your bed as you're eating your room service dinner. There's nothing yes. to stop you from Deli- delivering by a human. Yes. All right. Aren't you, aren't oh, you traveling is, somewhere soon? That is really so it funny. Is. Well, it is. The, uh, you know, the thing about checking in on your phone, yeah. like I, I love the fact that I can check in in advance, like for planes and things on my phone. But, but what I don't do is the boarding pass on your phone. That to me is not convenient because then it just means it, it's it, like it triples your chances of losing your phone somewhere in the boarding <laughs> process. Because instead of just being able to put your phone away as you're going through security or checking in at the actual gate, you have to constantly be fumbling with your phone while you have all of this other stuff. So I'm just I'm I'm just not for that. I actually I try to be an early adopter of many of these trends, but I'm clinging to the paper boarding pass plan. I just I believe that the paper boarding pass is actually easier because if you lose it, guess what happens? They just give you another. It's they just make another. It's paper. Paper you know, I pass. use the phone boarding pass on my, cause I got my new phone. So my last trip to DC and you're absolutely right. You just have to keep taking out your phone yeah. and then your screen goes dead and oh my God, where'd it go? Where'd the echo? Where's my phone? Where's that thing? It's true. It was, it's not relaxing. I mean, I felt hip doing it. I felt cool, but it was not relaxing, Liz. I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm going back to paper. If it's good okay. enough for you, Liz, it's good enough for me. Okay. Well, um, there were two other things I wanted to mention on today's show. First was a major fitness fail I had yesterday that leads to a question I have for you. Um, I'm going to be traveling a lot this week. I'll explain that in a second. I was away all this past week, so I haven't really been getting my 
you know, calorie burning and, you know, I've been trying to swim laps and that makes me feel good. That was all part of uh, Operation Sea Turtle. So Operation Sea Turtle has been on very shaky ground the last couple (laughs) of weeks, just because I'm in the air more than I'm on the ground. And so I'm certainly not in the water. So yesterday I decided, beautiful Saturday afternoon, I decided Operation Sea Turtle kicking in. I'm going to go down and I'm going to swim some laps in the pool. I get there. Pool is drained. Emergency repair. Oh. Okay, so now I'm, but now I'm down at the beach. Right. And, and I have two choices. One is, <laughs> like, go for a walk on the beach. Right. Might also, you know, burn some calories. The other is, get a massage. <laughs> right, yeah. So here's my question. Do you think massages burn any calories? Yes. Like, vigorous massages. <laughs> they must, right? Yes. They must. Like, here's what are... I believe. I don't know if they burn any a lot of calories, but I believe, much like I, I believe in, um, you know, that driving a stick shift is going to cure dementia. I, I believe they speed up your metabolism, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you burn more calories after the massage. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I think oh, it just I like it. gets everything going, whatever that lymph system is. I hear yeah. people say you should stimulate that. I, I think that's good. I think it turns, it fires up your metabolism in some way, Liz. I know okay. it. I know All it right. does. So that's does. what I did. I, I, <laughs> I went for the massage instead of the walk, but then I did follow that with a late night trip to Target where I got some important um cleaning supplies that I had run out of. So it turned out to be a super productive evening uh, in all kinds of ways. Uh, And I needed to do all of that because, as I mentioned, yes, I'm going on a trip today. Excuse me one second. (coughs) Coughing. Yeah, well, so, I'm I'm just still going, well, Target Saturday night. That's a good time. So good for you. That's- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the nearest Target to me is the UCLA Target. There's a Target in Westwood right next to the UCLA campus. So it is like rocking on a Saturday. Okay. It is very, very busy. Exactly. It was like... It's all those millennials laughing yes. up, you know, healthy snacks and <laughs> communing. <laughs> they all need to shop together. Just go shop online. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So uh, today I'm actually flying out. And uh, in light of this week's super sad story about the plane crash into the Alps, I'm sorry to tell you that I'm flying to Germany tonight, Leanne. That um, it's just a, I'm going, we have an office in Munich. I had planned this trip a while ago. There's no reason why I would not do this. But as I was watching all the the Lufthansa executives and all of the families and everything talked this week about that awful scenario where it appears that the co-pilot drove the plane into the mountain and was suffering both psychological difficulties and loss of vision. It's just like, you know, without being flip about it, like one more thing to worry about. Right. No, I know. I know. So that was just a that had never really occurred to me. And then I heard a news story like, it's more common than you think. And I couldn't even listen to the rest of that news story. Right. I was like, okay, I can't listen to this. What a yeah. terrible story that was. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I'm going to, um, I'm going to Germany at the beginning of the week. And then at the end of the week, I'm going to Poland, which I have never been to Poland. And uh, the I'm kind of very interested to make this trip. Because I travel so much, i I often blow in and out of these countries, I have to admit. Like, I, I'll be there for 48 hours, and I think to myself, I could, well, I could spend the weekend here. This place is fascinating. 
But I usually don't because if I did that every time I was traveling, I would never have a weekend in the United States. You know, I would just literally be on one constant business trip. So I will be uh, in Warsaw on um, Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday is Good Friday and then um, the Easter weekend. So I had decided to stay for a couple of days just because I thought it would be very interesting to see more and more of Poland. And a good friend of mine who has also traveled many, many places in the world was saying to me not too long ago that in all of his travels, one of the most moving and fascinating places he has ever been to is Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. And so... Next weekend, that's where I will be, actually next Friday. Um, as he was talking about it, and I could see how moved he was by it and what a lasting impression it had had on him. And honestly, it wasn't something that I had thought of in my planning before I went there. But once we started to talk about it, it I just decided, yes, I'm not likely to get back to that part of the world anytime soon. Um, it was such a life changer for him, the way it was, the way he was expressing it, that I kind of rearranged my whole schedule. So, uh, so that's what I'm doing. So on next Sunday show, we haven't really discussed if we're recording a show on Easter Sunday, but, oh, right. yeah. Yeah. but if we do, I will just have gotten back Saturday night from Germany and Poland and particularly this, um, this visit to Auschwitz. So I'm sure we have listeners who have been there. Uh, I would be interested to know what that visit felt like for you. Um, but in any case, the next time we're on together, I'll, I'll tell you what it was like for me. I just decided. How do you get, how far is Auschwitz from Warsaw? It's actually a three hour train ride. Oh, wow. So that's sort of dramatic. Yes. So the, on Friday morning, I have to get on a a 6am train, uh, to Krakow. And then you get picked up there and they take you through the camps and then you come back to Krakow. So I'll see a little bit of Krakow too, which people say is a very beautiful city. And so, so it's kind of an arranged tour you've done. It, yes. Yes. Is that, a, I, that's how you do it? That's yes. That's okay. how you do it. Well, that, I, you know, that's good. You wouldn't want to, what's the point of want, going all the way there and wandering around by yourself, just wandering through it. You need, yes. you no, need I, somebody to help you put it in perspective. That's I, good. Yes. I think that is really true. I think that's true of most places actually, right. that have, you know, complicated historical stories attached to them. I remember when we visited Julie, when she was living in Russia, remember we had a private tour guide who took us around? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. It was great. It like changes the whole game because you're getting so much more cultural information than you would normally get because you're talking to a live person about that live person's experience. And obviously you're getting a deeper historical experience than you would just walking through a place on your own, reading the plaques or right. listening listening to the acoustic guide. Right. So um it uh, so that's where I'm going to be this week. So uh, Liz, the next that's time. dramatic. That's dramatic. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your travels, and I, I'm you. really curious to hear about everything. Even Poland. I don't even yeah. know that many people who've traveled to Poland. Like it's one. It, you know, you hear a lot about Czechoslovakia now. People, are, right. uh, former Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic, Czech yeah. Republic, uh, people going there and how great that is. But oh, I am very interested to hear about this. You know, everyone I know who's ever been to Poland has loved it. Okay. So that's why I was kind of excited to go anyway. But you know, just, okay, one last funny observation about millennials and then we can go. <laughs> so I was talking to someone in my office about this and I said, well, the fact that I'm going to be in Poland over Easter weekend will be interesting because it's such a major Catholic country. And she said, really? Poland? And I was like, well, they had their own Pope. 
And she's like, I had no idea. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay. Um, and then I started to think, well, not everyone knows who the Pope is. She said, I can't believe I went to 13 years of Catholic school and did not know that. I'm like, <laughs> you went to Catholic school and didn't know that there was a Pope from Poland? But but they're so young, Leanne. They're so young. They're so and young. I actually did the math. I realized, like, barely born. So... <laughs> So don't, I had to explain. Stop doing yes. the math. That's my. Don't do the math anymore. I know. Don't. So I started to explain like uh, solidarity and like Valencia and all of that. Eyes glazed over. We just moved on to another topic. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> anyway, so I'll have my own Polish experience this week that I will come back and tell everyone all about. What are you doing this week? You guys have a Tuesday show. Yeah, Tuesday show. I'm finishing. We're writing that book list. Uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. We're finishing that up. I am yeah. on the edit, I'm on the editorial staff. Uh, I know you all have turned in your pieces and everything, but we're wrapping that up putting it to bed, getting it to press. So that's what I'm working on, uh, which has been fun. So again, another reminder, if you want to contribute, uh, go to SatelliteSisters.com, take a look at the, at, the, at the blog post that says contribute to You're the Best, hashtag YTB. Uh, that's where you do that. And then listen Tuesday for another, another assignment, another assignment. So that's what I'm doing. Um, Colin's home super sick, so I don't know. He has a couple days of school this week and then spring break, so we'll see how that goes. So, Santa Ana syndrome? He, he, I don't, he, uh, he could actually have strep throat. I just like to say that. <laughs> Not so, uh, yeah, high fever and a sore throat. And that did not stop him from eating a steak for breakfast. So I don't, okay, that's what he wanted. Do you have any he's steak? He's gonna rally. <laughs> so, so that's it. So, yeah, we're just hanging out. It's beautiful weather here, just hanging out, doing my work, and then uh, looking forward to Easter. I guess I should plan the menu. I haven't done anything, I'm, mm-hmm. I have not done anything because I've been working on the book. But mm-hmm. all right, we should get going. Um, Thanks again to everyone who supports Satellite Sisters and all of our ventures. We so appreciate it. Love being part of the Satellite Sisterhood. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. 